Welcome to the Physio Mentor Program, a program designed for physiotherapy private practice owners wanting and needing to outsource the training of graduates within their business. Our mission is to create private practices that you would have wanted to start a career in. Hi everyone and welcome to Physio Mentor. Today we have the pleasure of having Josh Mayo with us and I'd like to just give you a bit of an introduction and a rundown on Josh. He first came to my attention when I saw a blog post that he wrote called The Perfect Health Professional and it just resonated so clearly with what I see on a day-to-day basis at Physio Mentor with young graduates and also dealing with private practice owners that may be struggling a little bit and I felt he's someone that I really wanted to sit down and have a chat with and unpack his ideas around why we do suffer as physios and healthcare professionals from perfectionism. So to give you a bit of a background on Josh, Josh has served as a leader in the rehabilitation and sports medicine space for over 20 years. He did own and direct a physiotherapy clinic on the Gold Coast for 14 years. His role was typically as a private practice owner, which included business ownership duties, consulting to high-performance sports organisations, as well as in-house general caseload. Seemingly healthy to most looking on, he felt stuck on the conveyor belt of life, not content or present with most aspects of his life. This led him to redefine his purpose and change his life in the process. A period of 18 months saw him sell the clinic he worked at since his new grad days, He worked within the clinic for one year and then he transitioned onwards. He's now a passionate life coach and helps empower people in their midlife years to discover their personal purpose and start living in all areas of their life. As part of his coaching journey, he found a way of giving back to the health industry that he acknowledged gave him so much. He's now working with allied health business owners to help them avoid burnout and the midlife crisis that he went through. Also, he's passionate about educating younger rising professionals on how to make the most out of their careers and enjoy a life filled with joy and passion. He's happily married with two kids living on the Gold Coast, Queensland. He spends his spare time paddling his surf ski in the ocean, surfing and enjoying more time than ever to engage with his kids, friends and family. I think Josh has a lot to offer us today in this podcast and... I think for both of our audiences that may be listening, that would be private practice owners that have perhaps been down this road or currently in this situation where they just feel like they may be struggling and also to enlighten our young health professionals that are just starting out in the industry and perhaps give some tips and strategies to not get to that point in their careers or in their life. So I'd like to welcome Josh onto the Physio Mentor podcast. Hi, Josh. How are you going? Pleasure's all mine, Mel. Thank you so much for inviting me and um, diving into this topic. I'm really excited to be chatting with you about it. And you're right, um, you know, it is a passion of mine to be um, to be helping our younger rising health professionals um, enjoy their careers more. Absolutely. I think our physio mental audience probably... Um, makes up two different categories uh, that you will have a great deal of benefit when they listen to this today. And that is private practice owners that probably fit that category of feeling a bit burnt out, exactly like you just said in the intro. And also young health professionals that if we could just, you know, enlighten them, you 
just sparked my interest and I had to talk to you after I read an article um, that you'd written called The Perfect Healthcare Professional and it just resonated so clearly with everything that we see these days and I just had to get you on to have a chat. Yeah, um, the feedback from that article was really positive and um, I guess, you know, it was quite easy to write because I assume my experience throughout um, my 20 plus years within the profession, within the physio profession is not dissimilar to others' journey. And, um, you know, diving into it uh, allowed me to sort of reflect and think about the problems we face as an industry and even personally. And, um, you know, try to share that with people and try to get people to understand, um, as you say, both uh, younger rising professionals and and perhaps um, practice owners, um, you know, where we're, where we're heading wrong. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a few questions I want to ask you. Um, well, first of all, where are you coming to us from today? Whereabouts are you? Yeah, I'm on the Gold Coast. Um, I'm, yeah, my business purpose and flow is a coaching business and it's one that I co-created with um, a friend of mine and I'm actually sitting in what we call our boardroom, which is really just a room in his house, um, but it's lovely. It's overlooking a canal. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm in a really great, great spot here. And so I'm coming to you from the Gold Coast. Um, like you said, after 22 years of private clinic work, um, I'm a life coach. Uh, you know, my thing is um, around some processes and coaching courses to help people discover their vision and purpose and, and start living it in all areas of their life. And, you know, by virtue of the fact um, that I've been a health business owner, um, you know, I'm focused on the allied health business owners, graduates and clinicians to help them um, avoid burnout and, I guess, try and avoid the crisis that I went through as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Why do you think that it is physios or our profession in general that just suffer with this so much and even with the perfectionism that you do, you talked about in your blog post, like, what is it? Well, I think it probably starts back to almost our uni days, like, and even maybe even before that, you know, I think for the student wanting a career in physio or any other allied health profession, the stakes are pretty high. And, um, you know, our academic achievement is, is really celebrated by our significant others feeding our desire to do more and be more. And I think it begins steadily with our identity becoming attached to these outcomes. And that, that was certainly what happened through my career. And, you know, it's a very competitive field. The courses aren't easy to get into, nor are they easy to get through. Um, you know, young minds without perspective can easily sort of distort that perfect is a necessary part of the journey. And I don't know, I think you're pushing for perfection, kind of fueled by a fear of failure. And, um, you know, again, all of this is tight. Achievement's tied so tightly to your self-worth that I think pausing just isn't an option. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think this happens in other professions similar to us, like doctors and vets and, and those? Or do you think it's more so targeted at physios because... Yeah, I mean, we have to get quite a high OP to get into physio to start with. Like, we're already that personality trait that suffers, or what do you think? Yeah, I think it does flow through to other professions, certainly from the research. Um, I know there's big issues in the medical fraternity, also the dental fraternity. 
Um, and I, I have actually haven't done a huge amount of research with vets as another example, but I, I begin to think that any time-based billing um, uh, profession is, is probably um, at risk. Yeah. And, you know, any of these professions that require a significant input early on in our career um, around this, this um, academic excellence and, and quest for even clinical excellence and sometimes business excellence um, is, is probably vulnerable to this happening. Yeah. Um, so I haven't fully researched, but, I, I, yeah, of what I read and, and look at, I know there's other professions that suffer from it as well. Yeah, yeah. How does it affect us in our careers? Like what have you experienced, whether it be yourself or with other people that you coach? Like what are the effects that people seem to have? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, if we go back to that article I wrote, um, you know, I, I kind of put forward this little paradigm of um, of burnout. And I think to answer your question, at worst, how it affects us is that we get to a stage of burnout. But really I think that's the end state. Um, and I think what we need to do is be aware of uh, what happens on the journey to that. So, you know, um, I wrote about this idea that a combination of perfectionism, overcommitment and our type A personality sort of sort of lend us into this, this state of compassion fatigue. And, you know, that could be anything from a simple sense of feeling tired to a bit of a growing um, sense of, of dissatisfaction. Um, and, you know, I think we naturally overcommit as well as, as a type A personality. We, we have trouble saying no, we have trouble setting boundaries. So, um, you know, there's been moments where I personally prided myself on seeing more clients, doing more hours, taking on more clinical cases that others, I guess, might have struggled with. So, um, you know, we end up wearing our overachievement like a badge of honour. Um, but, yeah, I think the real effect of that compassion um, fatigue is that we begin to have less empathy towards our patients and our clients. And, um, you know, empathy is the cornerstone, isn't it, of being a good, good clinician. Um, we're empaths and we have to be. But, um, you know, the same thing that's a gift for us is also a shadow um, in the sense that it, it um, you know, it becomes too much. And so I think we start to lose a little bit of that empathy. Um, and even it can manifest as physical symptoms like headaches, sleep disturbances, mood swings. Um, I know certainly when I really struggled through my career with this sort of thing, um, you know, I was short with my kids. I wasn't really a very good version of me, even, you know, with my, with my spouse. And, um, yeah, it, it just affected other areas of my life. And I think, you know, puts your professional efficacy at risk as well. You can sort of understand why doctors and orthopedic surgeons, not to just target them, however, they're probably the, the most well-known to us, can start to become or lose their bedside manner. And you think, oh, how can they be that way? But maybe it is the same for them. They just lose that empathy for their patients over time because they've just given so much over time that they've got nothing left. And that's the result. I think you're right. I think, you know, what we mistake for poor bedside manner um, might just be, you know, this, this state of compassion fatigue. And I sort of coined it, um, you know, as a, as a state of languish. You know, you're not really, you're not really thriving and you're sort of, you know, you're not, bare, it's not just barely surviving. You're somewhere in the middle. Like it's not, it's not a really a great state to be in. And I think the longer you are in that state, the more you risk uh, getting to that end stage of burnout, you know, if it's left undiagnosed, untreated, um, 
and so on. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's more than a career challenge. I think we're seeing a lot of professionals exit our, our industry because of not managing their expectations of themselves well. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said before, you know, these amazing gifts that um, are what make us so valuable to the community are also what make us very vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. I think in, well, in my experience anyway, with um, graduates, that start in private practice, it seems earlier and earlier now that they do hit, well, it's normally that six-month slump, you know, they get to the six-month mark and whether it's that they're starting to get busy, they're starting to have a full caseload, they're seeing back-to-back patients, that's private practice reality, but the reality sets in for them that, oh, you know, I just, I can't handle this And, and it seems to be earlier and earlier that's happening, whereas probably for us maybe in our career that didn't happen until the third year or the fifth year. I mean, I don't know. What's your thought on that? Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. I, I, I distinctly remember becoming quite unsettled around years three to five. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I remember thinking at the time, oh, you know, a lot of it's to do with um, financial remuneration and working so hard for, for, you know, for not much money and comparing that to other professions. And I thought that was the, you know, that was the the source of it. But I think diving deeper, diving deeper in it was probably... Um, a case of not being attached to a whole life vision, which I'll talk to you about in a minute. But um, yeah, you know, the research supports what you're saying as well. Um, We know that if you get through the first five years, you're more likely to get to the next 10 or 15 years with less problems after which you become a little bit more susceptible after that. So um, you're right, dropout rates and burnout rates um, seem to be quite prevalent within that first five years. Mm, yeah, okay. So do you have any strategies for, I suppose we've got two boxes, um, but you can yeah. come to whatever angle you like, like um, any strategies for young health professionals that are, you know, maybe struggling with this and also maybe for the private practice owner who yeah. may be midlife and, and experiencing exactly what you just did. Um, I mean, I think I've been there a couple of times too, so we've all experienced it. What are strategies that we can use? Yeah, for sure. And I think the great thing about what I'm about to tell you is it's probably applicable to both groups. I don't think um, either group needs to do anything necessarily different. Um, And so the first step I'd suggest is knowing yourself. Now, that sounds a little bit cliche, and I'll explain a little bit more what I mean by that. But, um, you know, I'll often ask my clients, what are your gifts? You know, how are you sharing these gifts with others? What are your passions? What do you value? Um, you know, when are you in flow? And the answers to those questions might seem quite straightforward, but I'm, I can tell you at 41 years of age, when someone asked that to me, I had no idea of what my gifts were. No idea. And so another, another term for gifts, you might think strengths, but um, gifts are somewhat similar. Um, and, you know, this idea of living purposefully, is really a combination of your gifts your plus your values plus your passions and then wrapping it all into a nice little ball so you can sort of somehow share that with others and um, create a great version of yourself um, in doing so. So I'd say know yourself, know your gifts, values, passions is number one. I'd say number two would be set a whole life vision. So knowing well what the direction towards a fulfilling, 
and happy life actually involves. So it's one thing to say, oh, you know, I wish I was happy or I wish I um, was doing this or, or whatever. But, um, you know, it's another thing to actually know what, what's actually involved with that. So, you know, don't be rattled by what you might have seen or heard. I think knowing that you are in control of your journey. And when we set a whole life vision, it's just so much easier to see how our career fits within that. So it's all about this term alignment. And, um, you know, in order to sort of understand how career fits within a whole life vision, I get my clients to break um, their life into little segments. We call them buckets, so buckets of fulfilment. And um, these different areas of your life are, you know, um, the areas of your life that might provide you with energy, vitality. Um, so it could be like family might be a bucket, health and well-being might be a bucket, your kids might be a bucket, your career, your sport. And it's not until you stop and understand what good looks like in each of these buckets and then how to go and get it, that you might start to realise where you're over-indexing in one and not paying enough attention to another. And so, you know, that bucket's um, vision setting strategy is a very effective way to know whether or not you're at risk of over-indexing in one bucket. One of the great things here, I mean, that, that gifts, values, passions, I talk about that as being a sort of an intrinsic alignment. So like knowing yourself, you know, your gifts, your values, passions. But um, once you are, have a good understanding of that, and this is where, um, you know, we can get clinic owners and younger graduates to collaborate. So, you know, if both groups know what they're bringing to the table, then it's like, okay, how do we align that? And, you know, so can you imagine... I don't know, like a new grad fronting up to a to a an interview and and saying, um, you know, um, my gifts, my values, and my passions are these, and this is how I intend sharing them with others in this workplace, and um, you know, uh, a, a picture um, within other parts of my career that looks good. Uh, sorry, within other parts of my life that looks good is I'm spending time doing this. I'm, I'm over here doing that. You know, is that something you can help me with? Mm. It's almost tailoring a role. Yeah. To- someone wants these days and that's probably going to help with retention recruitment and everything yeah there's some amazing practical applications of that exactly what you say so recruitment um uh and retention so you know like during your your periodic reviews um it's it's a matter of sort of seeing what that extrinsic alignment's like so you know what's your vision what's my vision how is it sort of working what's the business vision does it fit so um yeah there's some amazing practical applications for that is this just a generational thing? Because it seems like for us, when we when we stepped into a job, it's like, here's the job, here it is, um, now go do your job. Whereas now we're trying to tailor all of this for somebody. Is it is it a generational thing or do you think, I don't know? Um, it's an interesting question and I think probably one I'm not entirely sure, but I, I do think um, when we think about, when I think about myself and probably people who pass through the generation similar to me, I think maybe we got a little bit mixed up with um, with this term resilience mm. and and substituting it or substitute yeah and, and or mis, mis being misrepresented rather as tolerance. Mm. So you know we talk a lot about resilience now and what it takes to be resilient. And um, I, I have to admit, I probably mistook that for tolerance. So it's like, you know, um, and as your responsibilities in life mount, it's like, okay, I'm going to get through this at all costs. 
when really that's not resilience, that's tolerance. Um, resilience is being aligned to a, a whole life vision and understanding that, you know, if things aren't going well or you're having a bit of a, a rough day, understanding that, that that's a call to, um, you know, reframe what's going on and perhaps, you know, move the obstacles and, and begin to think about another way forward. So, you know, it's that idea of adaptation and being, um, being plastic enough to move in and around and over and under um, as opposed to just tolerating and, you know, getting through at all costs, which I think is, is largely where I head. And I know a lot of the clients that I work with uh, have been headed as well. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. And I love your bucket scenario. I think that's fantastic. Um, do you think the buckets change at different stages of our life? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, we have, um, like there's, there's consistent buckets for everybody, like, you know, um, your family, your siblings, perhaps your parents, um, mm -hmm. for me, I've got my kids in one bucket, my spouse in another bucket. Um, you know, I've got my athletic pursuit, which includes some, some ski paddling and, um, different, um, other sports. Um, so, so yeah, I think there's some that will remain consistent. For your entire life but there's others that will change and grow i mean some of my passions that um you know 15 years ago are different and some of my hobbies are different and consequently i need to sort of rethink uh, I, I had to rethink you know what does that look like and what are they and how do we name them how do we give them give them life and and you know what are we what are we breathing into it to make it a a regular access for us mm, yeah and is there any other strategies that sorry i cut you off from that's okay, that's okay. yeah i think um you know, knowing and working through your limiting beliefs, like um, perfectionism, which is, you know, which is largely the topic of what we're discussing today, is really, it is quite complicated, but really it's just buried deep within a limiting belief of, of ours. And so I think if we can understand that perfectionism is just a, a deep-seated belief and that it can be replaced with this idea of just imperfect excellence, so we can still strive for excellence, but it's just not always perfect, um, and that's okay, you know. Um, and then working through this with someone to sort of help and, and guide um, around those limiting beliefs. So, you know, and that's effectively what coaching is all about. It's all about getting you out of your own way and avoiding this, this self-sabotage. So I'd say know and work through your limiting beliefs. Number four would just be set boundaries. You know, we, we talked about this overcommitment issue and um and how that that um, seems to exacerbate the journey towards compassion fatigue um i think we need to shift our thinking away from how do i do more and achieve more to how do i want to live like what what does good look like here and what how do i want to be spending my time not not how much more can i can i do mm. um, ideally um, these time-based billing professions like ours you know, time's unfortunately quite finite. So, we, you know, there's only so much of it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we can use our buckets and our life vision to guide us where we're going to allocate, allocate our resources. Um, and, you know, once we move away from the concept of achievement for achievement's sake and we align to a whole life vision, um, we just become more balanced. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. What would be like your biggest sort of success tips for yeah. graduates or business owners um, in this space? Yeah. Well, I think, I think, yeah, I keep banging on about it, but I think coming back to this clear clarity around your life vision and that career, your career, 
needs is just a small part of an overall picture that needs to look good and feel good. And it needs, it, career needs to, along with every other bucket in your life, needs to, needs to have your gifts, your passion and your values sprinkled through it. So number one. Number two, um, I just think understanding that you're in control. Like I know sometimes things feel chaotic and random and, and you know, you just feel like you're bouncing around off the walls and there's no real clear direction. But um, you know, if you can re- always remember that you're in control and it, it really is your journey, um, it's a simple case of stopping, pausing and really just taking the time. And then I think that, um, you know, discomfort, like embrace discomfort. I spent a lifetime trying to avoid being uncomfortable. Like, you know, um, there's a whole book written about Mark Manson does an amazing job on writing about um, discomfort and, and, and he calls it suffering a lot, um, you know, in order to grow. And I think expecting that and embracing it and knowing that it's a sign to uh, maybe look at things differently as opposed to trying to spend a lifetime avoiding it. I think, I think that would be my, my success tip. Yeah. What's the tipping point though to that discomfort where you talked about tolerance and you're like, okay, I've had enough discomfort and I'm ready to rip off the bandaid and and make a change. Yeah. Um, When do you make that decision? Because that's a difficult decision to make. It is a difficult decision. I think ultimately um, you need to, you need to be intuitive enough that you're knowing when um, you know, mild discomfort is progressing to a situation where it's impacting other buckets. And I think that's when things need to make a change. So if it's just a bit of discomfort and, you know, every other area of your, every life's going quite nicely and, um, and you, you're sort of intuitively sensing that things are just a bit uncomfortable, then you might make some, some minor changes. But I think it's really necessary to make some upfront big bang changes when things are really funneling through to other areas of your life, so the other buckets. Mm, yeah and I suppose with all these things like there is compromise and sacrifice that has to come and we hear work-life balance all the time but I mean honestly if you probably want to spend more time in a certain bucket of you know pursuing a sport or whatever and and that means maybe less time at work that also comes with less you know income so do you think there has to be that trade-off yeah and you know this is it isn't it like um talking about sacrifice but Really, um, I think reframing it as as choice and opportunity is is the key. So it's like th- there is there is a a um, a set of circumstances that evolves from every decision, and so um, you know I suppose it's it's a matter of um, weighing up what the positive and negative circumstances are as a result of a decision, and whether that's right for you, but. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think over-indexing in one bucket, um, such as career, but it can happen with other buckets as well, um, you know, innately creates um, the beginning of discomfort and then, yeah, watching that that doesn't sort of flow through to other buckets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So where can people find out more about you and what you do and what do you offer um, people? Yeah, sure. So, um yeah, I mean, you can find out more about me at my website. It's probably the best place. So um, purposeandflow.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, likewise, you, you know, feel free to email me. Um, my email is josh at purposeandflow.com.au. 
Um, also, it might be helpful, a really nice place to start if, you know, if you are feeling a bit stuck or you're not clear about what's next, or even if you are feeling, you know, unsettled and, and uh, maybe burnt out in your own terms, is, is to download this uh, little resource I've got on my website. So if you go to purposeandflow.com.au, um, <clears throat> click on the, the icon that says resources, there's a little drop down menu there. And this resource is called the Career Pulse Check. And it really just helps you understand if your career is aligning with your life or not. And, um, you know, it begins to spark some ideas about, uh, you know, where you're missing things and, and um, you know, whether career, your career is really fitting. And, like, it's important to note here, Mel, that um, we're, not, we're not saying to people, get up and change careers. In fact, in many cases, we're trying to prevent that. Um, you know, some people are up for a career change, but there's many that um, just need to re redesign what the story looks like and just, just change the narrative a little bit in order for it to fit, you know, within that whole life vision. And so that career pulse check's a nice start for that. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Well, I could just talk to you all day, Josh, and, it's just amazing this stuff and we might have to get you back on again and, and pick another topic. Um, it's, it's such a um, common theme across our industry right now. And if we can help our young therapists and also any private practice owners that are feeling this way, then, you know, we've done our job well. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me, Mel. I've loved chatting to you and I'd love the opportunity to come back at some point and dive into um, other topics. Wonderful, we'll make that happen.